I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I'm Paige, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's my caffeine. <clears throat> In the beginning, coffee and low, it was very good. Well, today we are continuing our jaunt through Galatians. We're in chapter 5. We're going to cover verses 13 through 15. I'm slowing up my progress a little bit because... Uh, Paul's getting into the meat of the theology behind this letter. Now, the first half, this first chunk of this letter, he's setting up what he's getting ready to teach here. And this stuff is so powerful that if I were just to blow through it and give a couple thoughts, it would be doing it no service at all. So let's get started. Um, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but... Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Now, there's three words here that I want to focus on. And it's on that last phrase, serve one another humbly in love. Dolio, uh, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correct. I wish I was better at my Greek pronunciation. It means to serve as a slave. And the word humbly is linked to that you're to serve humbly and then of course we're going to look at the word agape which paul talks a lot about in first corinthians 13 and it's a self-sacrificing form of love but let's take a look at this the word serve serve humbly in the greek dulio anyway it means to serve as a slave would serve so in other words you're obligated in accordance with your station in life to serve somebody else you are serving as if you were a slave to the, this other person to meet their needs. It's ironic that Paul tells them, don't be a slave to the law, but be a slave to each other. That's really, in essence, what he's saying here. Now, there are two other descriptors that go along with the word serve humbly, as in serve humbly, and love, as in serve humbly in love. The word humbly is linked to the word serve. Your service is to be unadorned with pomp and ceremony. No pomp, no ceremony. There's no glory. You serve as a slave would serve with no recognition or notice. You do what needs to be done because that's what you do. It's not optional. You serve humbly. And then the word for love is agape. Now agape love, it's an outward focused love. It's not necessarily the emotion of love. But the act of loving someone else, putting their needs before your own. Paul goes into detail in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
But basically, when you are loving someone within the context of agape, you're putting their needs ahead of your own. And Paul is saying, serve one another humbly in love, meaning put their needs ahead of yours. Isn't it ironic again? I'm going to say this again because this is such an important point. Isn't it ironic that having urged Galatians to not become slaves to law, Paul now encourages them to become slaves of one another. The Galatians are to be slaves to each other. In fact, this is the paradox, the Christian paradox. This is the Christian form of being free. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but humbly serve one another. Use your freedom to serve each other, to make yourself a slave to someone else. Now, he's just talking about meeting needs. He's talking about loving your neighbors yourself. He's not talking about uh, the picture we get of being a slave uh, from movies and things that we've read. But the concept of a slave not having his own voice in the matter. Paul is saying we don't have a voice in this. We are to love one another, serve each other humbly in agape love. And this is what loving your neighbor as yourself looks like. This is loving your neighbor as yourself in action. By using the words that he uses here, Paul's telling us that just as slaves have no options, we have no options. Loving our brothers and sisters in Christ is not optional. We'll see in a few verses that this agape love service thing that the Galatians are called to as a result of Paul's gospel is the exact opposite of what is actually going on in the Galatian church as a result of the false teachings brought by the Judaizers. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 14, he says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm, where have we heard that before? Jesus was asked by someone from the religious world, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus' response was, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second one is like unto it, love your neighbors yourself. Upon these hang all the law and the commandments. Paul's saying here, the entire law is taken care of when you keep this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Throughout his letter, Paul has been arguing against law as presented by the Judaizers and in defense of the gospel of pure grace. Now, in a rather striking fashion, he returns to law and seems to speak favorably of it, stressing that when Christians love and serve others, the law is fulfilled. As a preacher once told me, if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to steal their cow. Living our lives within the context of service and love for one another will have us living out the law. That's Paul's point. Paul is not dismissing the law. He's not saying throw the law away. It's the old thing. We don't do that anymore. No, he's saying the way to fulfill the law is to love our neighbor, to love God, love our neighbor. And then the law, which is good, will be revealed in our lives. It might seem kind of backwards, perhaps to not worry about memorizing all 600 plus laws found in the Torah. But the truth is simply this, loving God, loving our neighbors, will allow the character of God to shine in our lives for the world to see. Okay, but what about these 600 plus laws that are found in the Torah? All right, I will try to be as practical as I can here. In my experience, this is what I've discovered. I don't go looking for those 600 plus laws. 
I'm not looking to memorize 600 plus laws in the Torah. I read the scriptures regularly and God will point out areas in my life that he wants me to correct. This comes back to that whole punch list thing we talked about a few podcasts ago. A punch list, if you remember, is a list of things a contractor has to accomplish before the house or the building he is constructing is finished. As I read and study the Bible, God highlights things he wants me to work on. This becomes my personal little punch list. These are the internal things usually that deal with my heart attitudes towards things like my temper, my language, my health, how to be a better husband to my wife, a better father to my children, etc. Being a Christ follower is not memorizing rules and regulations and developing a checklist of things you have to do every day. If I love God, I got to do these things. Now, if you love God, you'll find yourself doing these things. But these false teachers were teaching, learn the law, obey the law, have this checklist that you write off, that you have to do all these things every day. It, there is no salvation in that. Paul echoes Jesus when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love your neighbor. Then you will see God shining out through your day-to-day living, and God's law will be displayed through your life in greater and greater measure as you grow in your walk with him. Now, Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. This is the result of that false teaching brought by those teachers, those Judaizers. If you get sucked into the maelstrom of trying to follow the laws the false teachers taught, this biting and devouring and all kinds of dissension will be the natural result. The law does not impart holiness. It points out how holy we are not. Following the laws prescribed by these false teachers does not unite, it divides. Paul is implying, in my opinion, this fighting and devouring each other is a result of the teachings from the Judaizers. The gospel I taught you teaches you to love each other, not to fight each other. If we focus on loving God and we focus on loving our neighbor as ourself, then the law displays itself in our life we must realize that the law illustrates the perfection of God's nature. When we love our neighbor and when we love God, his nature is shining through us. I can't think of any other way to say it. Again, you think, well, if that's the case, then why don't I just go make a list of all these laws and start following them? No, that's backwards. There's no shortcut here. If you want the law to shine out through your life, love God, love your neighbor. See, that's like putting the cart before the horse. The engine that draws you into holiness, the engine that draws you into becoming Christ-like is not following a bunch of rules. The engine that draws you in, the Holy Spirit of God, is calling us to love God and love our neighbor. Living out the law is a byproduct of that. I'm going to say that again. The engine that draws us in is the Holy Spirit of God. And he is calling us to love God and love our neighbor. Living out the law is a byproduct of that process. It takes the pressure off of having 600 plus laws that you have to try to figure out how to follow. You're never going to follow them. That's the point that Jesus made and that Paul is making. But as God brings you to areas in your life that need correction, you're going to apply some aspect of the law to do that because it's going to be through the law that you discover this area. Paul says as much in Romans when he says, I didn't know what coveting was. 
until I saw thou shalt not covet. Then all of a sudden, that law woke up inside me every covetous desire. When God's word highlights an area of your life that he wants you to work on, you start working on it. When that's done, God's word will highlight another area of your life that you're going to be working on, the next item on your punch list. See, that's the way it was with me. My original punch list had to do with my language. I was in the Navy. I used a lot of coarse language. God worked on me in that for a long time. My original punch list had to do with me not drinking to excess. Before I became a Christian, my beer bill every month was as much or more than the rent I was paying at the time. My original punch list had to do with smoking, cigarettes, and other things. One by one, as these things fell to the wayside and those things were flushed out of my life, God brought up other things. He's still doing it today. He's still teaching me how I can be a servant, how I can love my wife, how I can love my Christian brothers and sisters in a more practical way. But the end result is, without focusing on the law, by focusing on loving God and loving my neighbor, that is, being my neighbor's servant, the requirements of the law are being met in my life and you're seeing results that fall in line with the law. I don't know any other way to say it. It's a different approach. These false teachers are telling these Galatians they have to follow the law. They have to follow the Torah. They have to become Torah compliant. And what was the result of that teaching? Verse 15. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, you'll be destroyed. They were fighting amongst themselves. If you follow Paul's instructions to love your neighbors yourself and to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're not going to be biting and devouring each other. The fruit of the Holy Spirit of God, more on that later, will be evident. If you see a church full of people that are biting and devouring each other, that's fruit from a different spirit. And that's not what we want happening in our lives. Deep stuff, deep waters. Good thing I've got my Holy Spirit floaties on because there's some deep stuff to consider here. That's a good place to stop. I'm Paige. Here's my coffee. Folks, I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at page, that's P-A-I-G-E, at coffeebiblepage.com.